everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. My name is Kevin Foss. Uh, I'm your host today, and um, I'm a licensed clinician specializing in the treatment of OCD and anxiety disorders. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the show today. If you are a new listener, this is a question-and-answer-based podcast. So all the things that you're going to hear today are questions from fellow listeners about um, about various subtypes or various subtypes of OCD or just various subjects within the OCD and anxiety spectrum world. And uh, they went over to fearcastpodcast.com and sent me an email there uh, going through the submit a question link. So if you have a question that you would like me to answer on a future episode or a topic that you would like me to address on a future episode, uh, go check me out over at fearcastpodcast.com. Uh, as a reminder, you can also check me out over at uh, uh, Instagram. I am fearcastpodcast over there. Um, I do not post as much as I should. Um, I'm going to try to post more, but we'll see how that goes. Um, and um, I, I, I should also say, I, I someone sent me a message through a survey that I ha- I still have up there. So if I think it's fearcastpodcast.com backslash survey. Uh, and I post, posted this a while ago just to try to get a little bit of feedback about the show, what I can do better, what's what's working well, um, and uh, you know a little bit of what's not going well. And, and someone listened to an old episode and, uh, and sent me a message about that. Um, and I heard you, and I, I changed some stuff. So the thing I, I changed on it was um, on the episodes page. So there's there's um, all the episodes and the newest episodes are going to be listed on the very front page and the newest episode is going to be right there at the very top. Um, but if you wanted to listen to some back episodes, some very old episodes, uh, you'd have to sc- you know just keep on scrolling down that front page. So I compiled them all into a main or into a its own page. So it's if you go to the top menu, it's going to say episodes, and you can click on that, and there will be links to each and every former episodes, in, including the Phobia Friday series I did a while ago. Um, there's going to be links to all of those. Um, now, what I hadn't done is I hadn't posted on that. page page uh, since episode 45, and here we are in episode 90, so it has been a while. But I posted all of those, so you can go and see all those episodes. Uh, while I was doing that, I also created some sublinks to uh, uh, to the, the Phobia Friday series, so if you wanted to check that out and not have to weed through all the old ones, you can go to that pretty quickly. Um, I also included a quick link to all the uh, Faith and Doubt series podcasts, and um, as I'm talking about this, I should also create sublinks to some of the other just subtypes we're talking about. So, you know, HSCD, contamination, um, scrupulosity, I guess that's kind of in the Faith and Doubt series, but you know you know what I'm saying. So I'll, I'll try to get to that, but uh, all of this to say, if you'd like some changes to the podcast or think that um, you know there should be more of something or less of something else, um, I, I'm all ears. I'd love to hear hear about it to see what uh, you know what what can make this better and more interesting um, for all of you, the listeners. And again, that's that's the whole point of all of this is just to try to make it a, a space for y'all to ask questions and to be a space where you'd uh, be interested in listening to some of the answers. Um, so today I'm going to be going over two questions, both related to POCD. So I'm, I'm marking this one as adult um, because we're going to be talking about some things that are going to be a little, um, I don't know, perhaps not safe for little ears. Um, and um, so if you are, if, if you have little ears in earshot, I suppose, of this. Um, maybe this is not the one for them. Um, it's not going to be too graphic, probably, but you know, we'll see how it goes, right? This is the top end of things, and 
uh, I surprise myself sometimes. So, um, y'all have been warned. So, I guess this is, goes against my trigger warning discussion that I had in previous episodes. So, um, this is a contradiction, and um, I'm a hypocrite. So, uh, I reserve the right to be that, uh, as we all do sometimes. So, before I get into the questions, um, uh, man, I, I've I, I got a question on Instagram recently that was about um, the movie Encanto, the Disney movie Encanto, and um, about whether or not it was a it was a bad depiction of OCD, um, and uh, and and I I. I I've been thinking a lot about this and started a bit of a debate in a uh, an OCD um, therapists subgroup, and um, I, I'm I'm going to post an episode on that in the future of just kind of discussing some of the elements of it because, um, I mean, spoiler alert, I don't think that they're depicting OCD. If you've seen the movie, uh, I don't think it's OCD. However, what I do think is the the movie actually has some pretty good and some pretty deep things going on uh, in regards to mental health in regards to family dynamics in response or in regards to uh, just how how we carry ourselves and deal with uh, stressors and struggles. And I, I think it, it deserves a little unpacking that I'd like to try to go into in a future episode. But um, but I'm bringing this up to also say, if you have questions about it or would like me to address some specific issues, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and, and message me over there at the uh, uh, submit a, a question link. Uh, or you can go over to uh, Instagram, which actually may be the best way to uh, message me. So just send me a message over there and I'll try to include all of those in a future episode. But I'll also say to that before I get onto the question, um, if you haven't seen Encanto, it's worth a watch. I'll say this. The first time I saw it, I did not care for it, but Disney movies have a sneaky way of sneaking up on me. So oftentimes, if I watch a movie the first time and go, eh, it was okay, it's probably going to be played about 100 more times in my house. Um, or I'm going to be thinking about it and probably watch it about 100 more times. Uh, that has happened with Inside Out. That happened with Up. That happened with... What was the other one that happened with? I don't know. That's not good that I'm blanking on it. Um, it you know, it, it did not happen with The Good Dinosaur. If, you've, if, if you have not seen The Good Dinosaur, you're welcome. Don't see it. Um, it's, uh, we in our family call it the meh dinosaur. It's, um, it's, you know exactly where the movie is going within the first, I'm going to go ahead and say five minutes of the movie. I mean, it's the most, it's one of the most beautiful Disney movies they've ever made. Um, but that's about it. The story is present. I'll just say present. There is a story. It's just boring and predictable. Anyways, uh, that's about enough of that. I'm sure I could talk endlessly more about Disney movies, uh, but I shan't today, um, but I will in the future. Oh, I should also add, um, if you have a recovery story that you would like to share go over to fearcastpodcast.com and, and message me over there. I'm compiling a couple of them and we try to put some of them on future episodes. Um, but without further ado, here are some of the questions. All right, so this first question comes from OCDer, is what they said their name was. Um, they say, Hi, Kevin, I'm really hoping you can help me with this one. I've had OCD for about 15 years since I was five, but it went full-blown around age 19. They said I'm 21 now. I'm currently struggling with a very difficult issue regarding P-OCD. Unfortunately, 
I have given into my compulsion to test my intrusive thoughts about children slash teens during masturbation, and to my horror, I have found that sometimes, whether they pop up against my will or I'm testing them, I have a very unnatural reaction, and it seems to cause a very urgent slash strong feeling that I'm about to have an orgasm. Sometimes it does lead to one. It feels as if uh, oh, it feels as if the tr- the thoughts trigger an orgasm immediately after I think of them. Um, uh, immediately after I think of them, uh, I absolutely hate this, and it is making me very depressed. As it feels like ultimate proof that I'm attracted to children. I've read that chronic porn use, and they say parenthetically, uh, I have used porn a lot in the past and currently struggle with a moderate porn addiction. They they go on to say. Uh, I'm, uh, moderate porn use, um, they, it, it can cause you to desensitize and become aroused by just the thought of doing something taboo and morally wrong, like having sex with underage girls. And I've also thought that when you're checking to see, uh, sorry, I've also heard that when you're checking to see if you'll have an orgasm to an intrusive thought, the sudden anxiety and pressure can trigger an orgasm. Or I could just be a pedophile in denial. Uh, any feedback on this would be great. Thanks. All right, OCD or man, I'm so sorry you're struggling with this. This is um, POCD can just be intense and can just feel awful for the people suffering with it. So I'm sorry you're having to to kind of wrestle with all of this right now. But uh, but I also very much appreciate the question. So I, I think there there are a lot of components in here to address, and um, I'll say uh, you know. Off the top, um, I do hope that you are working with a clinician on this, a, a therapist who understands what OCD is and how it works, um, and they can help you through managing some of the guilt associated with this, some of the worries associated with this, and also um, uh, developing some exposures, uh, 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 more more appropriate exposures to this. Um, secondarily, I. I, I I don't know, or I, I would hope that you are also working with someone to work through some of the what you've called porn addiction. So I don't know exactly what you are implying by that, but um, but I know it can become porn addiction, or the use of porn can become problematic for a lot of folks, and and can start to uh, both snowball and start to um, kind of impact a lot of impact or impact a lot of aspects of someone's life. Um, if you don't have a th- therapist, um, a, a community that may be worth looking into um, is called the NoFap subreddit of, of Reddit. Um, it's, I think it's, if you just Google Reddit and um, NoFap, it's, you know, N-O-F-A-P. They, uh, that, that's a community where that's, that's where their focus is, is trying to help guys and, and women through porn addiction and reducing uh, porn usage. Um, well, it, it's also reducing just masturb- masturbatory frequency, uh, but, uh, but in addition to that, they certainly address porn usage. So that may be a community that will have some tips and tricks for you that could help, um, and also some accountability that, um, that might be helpful. One of the first things I want to address is a bit of a, um, a a bit of a logical fallacy that that I think a lot of folks with POCD and, and other forms of OCD have when it comes to when it comes to their their fears. So, kind of what you're talking about here is that you know you started watching porn and and then it started to you started to kind of habituate or de, as you've written here desensitize to what you've been seeing. Now this is this is common. I have heard this. That uh, you know, people start just watching one element of porn or one aspect of it, and they, you know they they kind of 
habituate to it. They kind of get used to it, and it stops having as much of an impact. So they do seek out um, other, other more either graphic or um, I don't know hardcore in a sense, whatever the verbiage might be. But they they do start to increase the types of porn or shift the types of porn that they are uh, using. Um, I think that is. I think that is, to a certain degree, common knowledge and, and a, a common experience for a lot of people. However, I, I do think the, the logical fallacy is that it has a slippery slope effect to the worst thing that we're afraid of. Um, I know with POCD, like the common fear is that if they watch porn, it's going to increase to watching, you know, porn with, quote, uh, or with, with, with young-looking women in it or, or young-looking men in it, as the case may be. Um, and then from that, it's going, to, uh, it's going to shift over to people who are just under the legal mark, under 18. And then it's going to just slowly progress to, you know, looking at um, uh, l- legitimate uh, uh, pedophile pornography. Um, h- however, that's, I, I, I don't think that's the way that it typically goes. And I'm saying this as a bit of a, I suppose it's a bit of a reassurance, but it's also what, one of the, one of the, the, the realities of this is that that th- this thought and this fear can really contribute to compulsive checking, um, rumination, all, all of that, um, just to make sure that they're not going to go down that path. Are they going down this path? Do they feel like they want to go down that path? They've watched this type of porn. How do they feel like that in the past? So it can lead to a lot of this, but we can kind of short circuit that and say, you know what, it's, this is unlikely to happen that it's going to go towards this because also it's the worst case for you. And why is it that it's going towards looking at looking at underage girls, whereas um, you're not worried about it going more towards you know violent pornography or going towards um, uh, gay pornography? It's for you. It's your biggest fear is it's going to go towards pedophilia, and uh, lo and behold, your anxiety is that you're going to slippery slope right into that, not these other forms. So I I think that's one element to consider in in the process. What I also want to point out, and this is to anybody who struggles with POCD, is that unfortunately OCD or you've you've committed what I I would consider one of the biggest snafus within POCD. Uh, I don't want to say treatment because, or I'll just say that the POCD checking compulsive process is, is the, is the attempt to either look at uh, underage porn and to masturbate to it to see if it's going to work for you in a sense, meaning if you're going to be able to orgasm. Um, the, why this is a snafu is that, um, well, the, the, the idea behind it is, is that if somebody is uh, able to masturbate to, uh, under, to the, the image of children, to the thought of children, and they worry that, man, if, they, if I orgasm to this, well, that, that's a clear indicator that I am, in fact, a pedophile, and I am, in fact, the worst thing that I could ever imagine being. Um, why this is a problem is that if you masturbate to anything, if you masturbate long enough, you're probably going to orgasm. I mean, I've got a lamp in my office right here, and it, I mean, it's a nice lamp. I really like the lamp. And if I started to masturbate and look at that lamp and think about this lamp while I'm masturbating, you know what? There's a great chance after a certain period of time, I'm probably going to orgasm. And I'll tell you what, it's a great lamp. It's not my type, but you know, it's a good looking lamp. But orgasming to that does not then mean that I'm a lampophile. 
I think that's the term. I don't know if that's the term. Um, but the point still stands is that if we masturbate and look at or think about anything, there is the possibility that we are in fact going to orgasm. So that's the that's one of the snafus with with uh, masturbating to ch to the image or thought of children with POCD. You might. And it's only going. It's not going to give you the the reassurance that you think it's going to. The hope it's going to. It is. It's probably just going to lead to more anxiety and doubt and fear. And then it's going to start that cycle all over again. So, if anybody's considering this as a compulsion, please refrain from doing it. Not for me. For you, because it's it's ultimately not going to help. I, I can't emphasize this enough. Um, but unfortunately, OCD, or you, you are you've crossed that bridge, and you're now on the other side of it. So, um, it's it's helpful to remember that it's helpful to remember my lamp example, as silly as it is, is that this happened, and notice what it did. It didn't really confirm a whole lot to you. It said it, it instead it it just made you more anxious and and question more. Another to, another component to all of this is, as we've talked about before, is arousal non-concordance. Is that there is a there's a, a function of our brain and function of our sexuality, where we can sometimes get aroused or we can get aroused to things that we would typically not say are arousing, and um, but it's it doesn't seem to make sense, right? We are aroused. We're experiencing some of the signs of arousal, but we are not aroused, as we would say. Right, and it, it can seem confusing, right? Because I'm already saying, if we feel aroused, but we are not aroused, but we see signs of arousal, but we don't say we're aroused, right? Some of the best examples of this can be um, the what for men specifically uh, can be things like um, uh, morning wood or having an erection in the morning. Uh, they are experiencing a sign of arousal, having an erection, but they aren't. They they probably wouldn't say, "Oh, I am uniquely turned on. I I know that I'm turned on right now." They'd probably say, "Like, oh, this is just a thing that happens." By the way, it's a thing that just happens. Now. We also can be, we as people can be aroused just throughout the day, and that's because our, our bodies just modulate and they kind of, uh, they, they go into various states of things. Now, we can, so men, both men and women can experience arousal, either an erection or a, or being lubricated, kind of in, in various states, in, in severities, I suppose, throughout the day as a natural part of being human. We can also be kind of aroused by things that are what's called what we would think about as sexually relevant. So, if there's sexually relevant material, there's a thing in our brain, and I, there are more technical terms to this, but um, a lot of the, the verbiage that you'll see is it talks about it as an accelerator or brakes. So, kind of speeding up the arousal process or slowing down the arousal process. So, if we see sexually relevant information, there's part of our brain that kind of starts that process, starts the machines of arousal, and and, and it wants to get everything going. It gets, and it gets some things going, right? But if there's another part of our brain that's pulling on these brakes, and the brakes and arousals are kind of out of our control in a sense. So the brakes can show up, though, and then not get everything going. So that's where sometimes we would experience arousal but maybe not feel the emotional and other components of arousal. And it can happen the reverse. Sometimes we can feel turned on by something and also not experience the physical signs of it, right? Not experience lubrication, not experience an erection, though everything in us is saying, I am super turned on. So all of that is arousal non-concordance. And there's going to be a discrepancy between um, how, uh, how much of a 
uh, or uh, how much discrepancy, again, I'm using this term a lot, um, between men and women, men are going to experience more concordance, men's or women more non-concordance. Um, but the whole point is, is that sometimes these things are going to happen. I bring all that up, not for you to evaluate how much you are aroused, but to acknowledge that sometimes things happen out of order and out of the way that we want them to. And it's not because you are one thing or not another thing. It's that this is some things that happen, right? So all this is, to, so this is kind of also to say, if we see something that is sexually relevant, guess what? We might get turned on in some element. And it sounds like in the sense for you, if you are touching yourself and masturbating, uh, that's going to be sexually relevant information. You're putting stimuli into your genitals and that that's going to feel good typically does so uh, all all of that rounds up to say uh again this is a bad compulsion please don't do it for anybody it's not going to be helpful for anybody for any damn reason so i think somewhat lastly i i could be surprised with how much i'll be able to yammer on about this stuff too um but you you also said uh, uh, you, you added here uh, i've also heard that when you're checking to see if you'll have an orgasm to an intrusive thought the sudden anxiety and pressure can trigger an orgasm so Yes, it can. I think you're asking that question, hoping I'm going to say yes, and that's why you orgasm to this, not because you're a pedophile, uh, but because you had the anxiety and the sudden pressure. So now, both things can be true. One thing can be true and the other can be false. The ultimate aspect of this is that I don't know what is happening in your case. You are right. Sometimes in the middle of sex, the a sudden anxiety or pressure or surprise uh, can trigger an orgasm, especially if you're kind of like on the edge of an orgasm and, you know, there's a sound or something happens, it can trigger it. But that being said, you are obsessing about, you're trying to get certainty that that's the case and not that you're a pedophile because you immediately say, is it this? Or could I just be a pedophile in denial, right? Kind of going like, okay, I hope it's this. I hope it's this anxiety and the pressure that really triggered that orgasm and not this whole other thing. I don't know. And you've been thinking about this for hours and hours and hours and hours. If you haven't gotten to an answer by now, we need to let go of the need to have that answer and to let that uncertainty be there to not know and to say, for this, I'm not going to know. Back to the arousal non-concordance, the way that we work through that is by not knowing what is the thing that is arousing us. Are we unaroused? How much are we unaroused versus aroused? What was the stimuli that was arousing us? Are the brakes really on or are they not? It's that we, we acknowledge this thing happened. OCD, you orgasmed while masturbating to the idea of children. And that's such a weird thing to say, but to also then say, you did, and you were also raking yourself over the coals to try to get desperately get this answer. And there may be no way to answer that fully, certainly not on this side of things, not, not me in, in my, you know, sitting in front of my silly microphone. This would be something to talk to a therapist about, a specialist about this, to really get an idea of it. And I would encourage you to work with a, a an OCD specialist because, again, you you have been suffering from OCD for the past 15 years, um, which I anticipate means that you've also had some other subtypes, and that would lend itself to to the likelihood that this is POCD. But that being said, go, go talk with a specialist about this and kind of work through it. Now, I some folks have gone to see. Um, I, 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 
sex therapists or pedophile-specific specialists, and they, they, they aren't going to be aware of what OCD is or how it works. And I've had clients go see um, experts in pedophilia, and they do not give them an answer that is helpful. They give them an answer that only confirms their fears, um, and it's because they, they aren't aware of the, they're not thinking in terms of ego dystonic versus syntonic, meaning thoughts that are consistent with what, what we really like and or thoughts that dystonic thoughts that go against what it is that we truly like or, or reflect our, our values and what we, what we do want. So um, go see a specialist about this to kind of work through some of those ideas. But the most important thing here for you is going to have to be letting go of trying to solve this question and resist those compulsions of checking in the, in the future. Now, when you're resisting that compulsion, it's going to feel like, oh man, but then I'm not going to know. Then it's definitely going to hit me. Okay, great. Then we can kind of, in a sense, test that out. We're testing the waters and we're, we're saying, all right, if this thing is going to happen, if I truly am a pedophile and the one thing that's keeping me safe from pedophilia, full-blown pedophilia, is my checking behavior, is this masturbating activity, then take that risk. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? If you're saying this is the one thing that keeps me safe, which is what you're saying with your compulsion, pull down that that compulsion and see what happens. See if you just continue to have doubt or see if you actually end up just, or see if nothing happens, right? Or see if that fear does happen. But we only know when we take the risk to pull down that compulsion and to resist doing it. And furthermore, resist the analysis of what that thought means, what the pressure meant, and to accept that sometimes our bodies do funny things. And that you orgasm during that time. Okay, it wasn't your favorite orgasm, it sounds like, but it was the one you had at the time. Great. Move on to future, better orgasms. And let this event drift out of your attention and out of your active participation. So, OCDR, I hope that helps. Um, if you have any questions or follow-up to that, message me over at fearcastpodcast.com. Again, thanks so much. Right, so this next question comes from Jason. Jason says, Hi, Kevin, I discovered uh, uh, you and your colleagues' websites and podcasts through Jamie Eckert. Uh, Jamie Eckert uh, it was on a previous episode. Uh, she, this is a side note. This is not a question. Uh, you can check her out at scrupulosity.com. So she is a uh, theologian, and she uh, also specializes in um, uh, scrupulosity. So you can check her out over there. Um, now, back to his question. So he says, um, Having recognized a tendency towards an inflated sense of responsibility to myself during the first COVID uh, lockdown, I've been learning more about uh, OCD and the different sub uh, subtypes, um, and I've just listened to your podcast on POCD. Uh, thank you for all that you shared about this, especially uh, as you do the recording so late at night. Uh, I'm back to recording during the day, so at least for this one, if I sound peppy and awake, it's because uh, it's like it's like noon and I've had so much coffee. Um, as a side note, I also have um, espresso or chocolate-covered espresso beans in front of me, so I've eating those. So today's going to be really fun and really weird. So buckle up, everybody. Anyways, 
So let's go back to Jason. All right, he says, although I'm beginning to understand the dynamics of ERP, I couldn't help uh, being rather shocked at your reference to the Toddlers in Tiara's show. Uh, now, although my sexual ethics are shaped by my Christian faith and also by the fact that I live in the UK, which is extremely thorough in children protection uh, and uh, safeguarding issues, I simply couldn't see how a show like Toddlers in Tiara's can be justified. Is it uh, is the show as controversial as it sounds? Isn't sexualizing children unethical in every instance? I'm wondering how the show could. Uh, I'm, show, I'm wondering how the end could justify the means in this case. Have questions been Have questions been asked about how it's been affecting the children being used in this way? Uh, is it open? Uh, isn't it open to be used by those who actually want the show for their own for their own gratification? I assume you mean sexual gratification. Um, I'm beginning to see that OCD is a messy business, and your podcast certainly helped me understand that treatment can also be messy. But I'm struggling to see how sh- this show can be okay. If you're able to comment on the ethics and morality of these things, or uh, or, or signpost me a related articles, I'd be grateful. And then he, uh, lastly, he says, uh, thanks for the, the attention you're giving to this. Uh, I look forward to seeing more episodes. And uh, as my knowledge about OCD grows, albeit very slowly. Jason, this is a fantastic and very frustrating question. It's, it's not frustrating necessarily for me. It's frustrating because w- what, you're, what you're talking about is, is actually really important. And what you're talking about is something that we, we as OCD therapists and in the OCD community it's a conversation that we continually have on what is and is not an appropriate exposure. How far is too far? What is and is not okay, right? Because you're right, this is a messy, messy job that I'm in. And this is a messy, messy process that we are all in. In trying to figure out, well, I mean, what we're doing is we're wading into the gray area waters of what is, of what is between what's safe and what's not safe. Right, and there's this kind of magical line at some point that we all have, where we go, "Ooh, that's mm, that's not okay." We can all agree. Typically, we can all agree on where the bad is, right? But it's not this binary of this good and bad or right or wrong. It is this, you know, there there is this maybe extreme ends that the the vast vast majority of us can all agree on. But then there's this huge gray area in between that has all these gradients of okay and caveats and yeah buts and what ifs that that we are all questioning. POCD is absolutely one of those subtypes that that lives within this gray area. And it's hard to try to figure out what is going to be, quote, okay and is not okay. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to use kind of that okay and not okay terms because, it, it, again, it puts it into that binary of like, this is right and this is wrong. You know what I mean? So, but, but what I love in what you're saying, and I think what, what you're saying to me really highlights why acceptance and commitment therapy is so important, and also working with a, a sensitive therapist for you um, is it, not not you, Jason, but you as all the other listeners out there. It's going to be important for everyone to work with a, a a therapist that will be sensitive to their individual needs. Now, what that means is every person that walks through my doors and sits on my couch is 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 a different person. And everyone has their own level of comfort. Everyone has their own morals and ethics and values. 
It's my job as a therapist to be a good therapist and trying to help them achieve their clinical goals. Um, generally speaking, for someone with OCD, it's going to be um, reduction of symptoms and uh, increase of functioning in the rest of their life. Now, that's really broad, isn't it? Because what the heck does that mean? Well, it means something different for each and every person. It can, it can mean, like I, I, I shared this a while ago in a, uh, in a talk I gave at the IOCDF conference. Uh, we were talking about scrupulosity, and I was sharing a story about a client that I had. And he, is, um, uh, he was suffering from scrupulosity, um, so religious scrupulosity. Um, and he's, he was struggling with the idea that, uh, you know, that, uh, that God hates him and that, you know, he needs to pray perfectly and he needs to, you know, uh, I, I kind of be just, you know, morally and perfectly right. Right. So, if you were to hear that, you might say, "All right, well, we're going to do these types of exposures and try to get you know him back to a certain level of functioning." Right. And then near the end of the treatment, after we'd we'd accomplished a lot of of his goals, he added that one of the things that he also wanted to incorporate back into his life was saying, uh, "I'll just I'll just edit it, but you, you'll know what I'm saying." Uh, he he wanted to start using the word um, "mother effer" more. Um, and he, he said, you know, like before Scroop hit, like I would use that term with my friends and my colleagues and, you know, I, I like the word, it's descriptive, it's fun, it's funny, it's, it's useful. Um, I, I want to start using that term more, but ugh, my script just gets in the way. Now, this, this was a weird ask from someone who is, who is identifiably or self-identified Christian and wanted to become, uh, wanted to overcome some of his scrupulosity. Generally speaking, someone who is identified as Christian and, and doesn't, um, uh, and, and, and is worried about what God has to say or has moral concerns, that would not be part of what they would like to accomplish. However, it was something that he wanted to accomplish. So, in a sense, we we were wading into the waters between what is right and what's wrong. Additionally, I as a therapist have to wade into the waters of what of what I am okay with and not okay with in terms of helping someone to achieve their goals. Um, uh, you know, another side note is like, let's say as let's say someone comes in to relationship therapy. This is a common question that shows up in uh, therapy school for for um, well, therapists. Um, so let's say you're you're a marriage counselor, okay? The couple comes in, and um, you know they they want to work on their marriage. All right, um, but the. Or uh, no, the, the the better example is this: a guy comes in. This is a stereotypical example. A guy comes in. He is married, um, but um, you know he he doesn't really want to work on his marriage. He wants to work on his relationship with his girlfriend. So, in this scenario, he's cheating on his wife. But man, he and his his uh, his girlfriend are having some relational issues, and he as a, he wants to work on that. Um, but he doesn't want his wife to know. He certainly wants that to keep. He wants to keep that a secret. Now, this is a ethical quandary. This is a this real sticky situation, right? What does the therapist do if they are, what relationship do they need to be treating? Uh, what relationship are they holding up as primary? Now, um, this is going to be different for every single person, but what I'm also illustrating is that all, all types of therapy are kind of mucky and messy, and it, it, the, it, an ethical line is there for every single person, including therapists. So, Ah, what does that even mean, Jason? All right, for for you, what you're telling me is, if you came to if you came to my office, sat on my couch, and said, "Kevin, I have POCD," I'd say, "Great, let's work on that." One of the things that I might I might as a therapist talk about is is working on an exposure to the show Toddlers and Tiaras. Now, everybody, if you haven't seen the show, 
uh, go check it out. Just Google Toddlers in TRS. Just look at the images Google has to show you. It's a unique show. Um, what, it, what it ultimately is, is it is, it is a, I think it was on TLC, which has, oh God, what TLC used to be and what TLC is now is just bonkers. I'll say this about Discovery too. Ugh. Discovery used to be good. It was like documentaries and like World War II stuff, interesting things. Now it is, it's legit, just, just stupid shows. Anyways, uh, this, my, my nerd tooth is not being satisfied is what I'm trying to tell you all. All right. The Toddlers and TRs is a, um, I suppose, a, 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 a real life show um, about uh, kind of following families and, and children who are going through child uh, beauty pageants. And part of beauty pageants is, you know, dolling up these children um, in I don't know, gowns or I think like bikinis in some of them. Um, but they they put them in outfits that are at times very sexualized. And and if a if an adult was wearing that, um, you might say, wow, that's really sexy. But then you see it on a five-year-old and you're kind of conflicted, right? So it it very much is I think it's just custom built for the POCD community to use as exposures. But it's it is it is inherently questionable, right? So why is it justified? Well, different you know different countries, different societies, different cultures have different levels of uh, of comfort with certain things. Um, you know, certainly in the UK and you know British TV shows, they're more comfortable with nudity, whereas American you know we're Puritans over here, so we don't have nudity anywhere. However, we're totally fine showing beheadings at all times or you know terrible, horrible, violent things, and I think that is less. Um, or that is viewed, looked down upon, viewed poorly. Anyways, whatever verbiage I'm trying to come up with, it's 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 not as common in in UK or other um, or other media's in other cultures, right? Anyways, so things are different, but also people are different. So, Jason, if you were in my office and you said, "Hey, I had POCD," and I said, "Hey, let's look at toddlers and carriers," and you go, "Ooh, that's not okay with me," well. We're going to have a discussion about that. We're going to say, what about this crosses the line for you? What about this is not safe, not okay, not right for you? Because there will be some elements of treatment where I, as a therapist, am going to want to push you a little into discomfort, but I also don't want to completely destroy your level of comfort because everyone has their own standards. So if this is far too far for you, that's fine. We don't. Ha you don't have to, or you. You don't have to watch Toddlers and Tiaras in order to make progress. We can work on a ton of other things. Similarly, I've worked with folks who have, um, who are um, religious uh, across the board in, in different um, uh, uh, religious backgrounds and traditions, and they kind of say like, "All right, I have HOCD, but I'm not willing to look at pornography," and that's fine. You are you are not required to look at pornography in order to make progress in any subtype, but you know also specifically HOCD or, or or other things that would require that type of exposure or ask for that type of exposure. Maybe lend itself is the right way to say it too. Um, you're not required to watch it. It can be a helpful tool, but certainly not a necessity. You can very much make progress otherwise. Toddlers and tiaras is going to be the same. So for for Jason, for you, or for anybody else listening, if if there if there are things that you just say, man, I just can't with this, that's a conversation to happen to have with your therapist. To say this is far too far for me, and hopefully that therapist is going to respect that boundary, but is also going to share with you perhaps, you know, whatever that boundary is for you, what are some of the 
some of the things that you're going to be missing out on by not engaging that. And then a discussion needs to ensue about whether or not you're okay with perhaps not achieving or receiving those the benefits that you might gain from that type of exposure. So, um, so I hope that that kind of makes sense. I suppose also to the to the point about um, you know, uh, uh, is it the show open to um, you know? people who actually want to use this for their own sexual gratification. Yes, it, it is. But, you know, perhaps to the previous conversation I just had, you know, people can be turned on or aroused or use almost anything for their sexual gratification. So it, it doesn't just mean that this show lends itself to that. But I mean, we can talk about, I, I don't know, we could go endlessly into other examples. But this this show I suppose it was argued for or or designed to not be used as specifically for sexual gratification, but for some it can be used for that, as can probably, you know, professional wrestling or for, you know, drama shows, right? I'm sure somebody out there it watches Bridgerton and just says, this just click, checks all of my boxes. Or somebody out there is watching, I don't know, Rick and Morty, and it's checking all of their boxes too. So it's, you know, and for that matter, um, you know, some people are going to be looking at images of, you know, surgeries or is going to be looking at images of, you know, malformed body parts. And while that may be used for medical purposes or the intended uses for that, some people will use it for sexual gratification. It's it's a mucky mess, right? Um, there is that old saying about, uh, and I'm going to forget who said it, from the, uh, uh, the American Supreme Court. Uh, one of the justices had said, you know, I can't define um, pornography, but I, I know it when I see it. This fits really well into that. So, all right, Jason, I'm kind of going on and on about this, but um, I, I hope what you can do in this is that if, if you are struggling with a, a line or a suggestion from your therapist about what can be done for exposure, have this conversation with them, and they ought to be able to have this conversation in a reasonable way and be open to it. Um, but be, be flexible. We're wading into this messy water and we work on this together as a team. It's not just do whatever your therapist says, but it's also for the therapist, not just listen to any of the boundaries that somebody that a client has to say, because our job is to kind of push them into their boundaries. Because someone who comes up to me with POCD, they're going to say, well, I don't want to be around any child. Well, that's not feasible. I mean, that's not it's not the most feasible in life, but it's also not the most feasible for treatment. So uh, it's already a mucky mess for me. So it, 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 an individual basis, but I hope this discussion about toddlers and TRs was helpful or, or informative, but I think it, it, it just opens this, this box that, that we've been talking about in OCD land for all these years. And you know what? That ain't going to stop. We're going to keep doing that for many, many years. But, um, uh, but again, Welcome to the, the, the messiness, and I'm glad that these discussions have been helpful for you in kind of wrapping your head around what treatment can look like. So best of luck wading into the, the, the mucky waters, and, um, you know, the water's fine. We're all here. So, all right. Thanks so much, Jason. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for making it through that episode. So hopefully this was a um, uh, hopefully this was a, a fun episode, an interesting episode. Hopefully it didn't get too weird or too dark. But um, but I appreciate you all for, for hanging out with me. Uh, if you have any follow ups to this or any any other questions um, ongoing, feel free to go over to fearcastpodcast.com and uh, message me with those questions. And I'm more than happy to put either some uh, rebuttals or questions or add ons to uh, to a future episode. 
Um, and if uh, again, if you have audio questions that you would like to uh, be pushed to the top of the list, um, record those on your computer, upload those to probably like a shared Google Drive, and email them to me at questions at fearcastpodcast.com. I'm more than happy to hear those, see those, and you can also message me those audios over at uh, Instagram. I believe it's maybe easy to, to record them over at Instagram uh, just by sending me a message and recording your voice. But either way, um, uh, please remember, everybody, that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about treatment, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can go over to the Find Help link, and you're going to be able to see some stuff that will point you in the right direction or perhaps uh, help out a little bit. All right, everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.